Coming to you from the empty halls of McGrath High School, this is the Viral Buzz. My name's Jordan Brame and I will be your host. Let's dive in. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the show, guys. It's been a crazy week for those of us living here in southern Alberta. I think our students have gotten pretty dialed into the new routine of home learning. And if my sources are correct, I think that the parents are starting to look forward to kids going back to school. Unfortunately for them, this is going to be the longest summer of their lives. COVID-19 continues to impact us all in one way or another. We are fortunate that the outbreak hasn't hit too close to home as of yet, but you don't have to look very far to see states like Washington or California that have issued shelter-in-place orders, and it seems that anyone or anything that can declare a state of emergency is already doing so. These are interesting times to be alive, guys. Like seriously, you are going to tell your children and your grandchildren about what it was like to be alive during the COVID-19 crisis. I don't remember anything like this ever having happened before where governments and economies and and schools and, and entire systems of life have shut down so completely. Well, today on our show, we're going to catch up with McGrath High School students Brooke Ballerson and Julia Shearer and chat about how the events of the last month have impacted them and what they are doing about it. We're going to bring in one of your favorite math teachers, Mr. Mike Wolf, to kick off the first Challenge of the Week contest. And finally, we'll sit down with published author, mother of 12, and Westwind School Division's own Heather Burton for some real talk about the struggles of home learning along with some tips and tricks for parents to help navigate this new journey that we are all on together. But first, let's get you caught up on the buzz. I'm not sure if it's the uncertainty of the times we are living in or just a weird coincidence, but McGrath has been the home to a variety of interesting crimes lately. Most recently, the Blue Goose gas bar was the victim of a break and enter where thieves stole cigarettes, lottery tickets, and a few other miscellaneous items. Interestingly, they happened to miss the big bag of money sitting on the counter. The cash was in a deposit bag when it was there, ready to go to the bank later that day, and it was completely missed by the assailants. It makes you wonder what our world is coming to when bad guys will break into a convenience store and take lottery tickets that give them a chance of winning, and they completely miss the cash that they could win if they won the lottery. You know, the sad thing is that lottery tickets are a way of taxing people with big dreams that are bad at math. Unfortunately for the goose, they're missing out on the sales from said tickets. But wouldn't it be a wonderful piece of justice if not one of those tickets was a winner? And all they were left with was a sack of losing tickets. And I don't know, maybe a stiff dose of lung cancer from all the cigarettes they stole. It just goes to show you kids that crime don't pay. Stay in school. Well, you know, when the schools open up again. Moving on. Speaking of bags of money, the ATB was held up at Mace Point earlier this month. That's right, a canister of bear spray was the weapon of choice for the bank robber to be, who collected an undisclosed amount of cash and conveniently disappeared. I don't know about you, but I see a crime like this as something that is just perfectly 
and distinctly Canadian. I mean, who robs a bank with bear spray? I wonder if our American neighbors are paying attention with all the talk of gun reform that goes on in the United States. They might see that if you ban handguns, criminals are just going to find another way to do what they've always done. And I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like it kind of changes the narrative a little bit. I mean, can you imagine Jesse James riding on his horse, jumping off onto a train? He grabs the engineer by the shirt and holds up a canister of bear spray? I mean, it just doesn't have quite the same Hollywood appeal as the, as the Colt 45, the six-shooters that the old bank robbers used to use. So I don't know, call me a romantic, but there's something, something about this crime that lacked a little bit of, uh, of edge for me. But it did turn out to be fairly effective, though, as the RCMP do not as of yet have anyone in custody for this crime. Many McGrath residents wondered if the criminal matched the description of the drifter that was wandering around on the west edge of town, as reported on the ever-so-trusty news source Facebook's McGrath Forum. Now, police have narrowed down the suspects to the earlier-mentioned shady character and a group of high school students who eyewitnesses caught in the act of playing pond hockey on the mosquito-breeding pond near the entrance to town. Now, while I don't want to stop them from investigating any leads, for my part, I wouldn't rule Mr. Sabi out. I happen to have it on very good authority that he owns a Carhartt coat and work gloves. Not to mention, I've never seen him and a bank robber in the same room. All right, enough of that. Let's move on to the student segment of the show. Now, any of you that spend a little bit of time on Main Street may have seen something a little interesting the other day. I've got Brooke Balderson here to tell me a little bit more about the event that they are calling the Quarantine Cruise. We just had all of the high school students come in their cars and drive around, cruise around like the old days. And we had like 20 people, I'd say, like 20 cars show up with people and their siblings. And the one rule was no one's allowed to get out of their cars. And so it's a good time to like hang out with each other, but uh, still be safe. Yeah, man, that is awesome. So it was it really was like a blast from the past kind of hey Yeah, we had well for some of it. We just cruised down the streets had music playing and then um, we went up to like the Disc golf parking lot up there by the cemetery. Yeah, and um, Parked in like a big circle and everyone had their windows down some people climbed on the roof of their car and just talked for a bit Yeah Goodness. Well, I, I have to say I've got a ton of respect for you guys for trying to find a creative way to still get together and still be social. But, you know, being safe, I feel like there's a lot of people out there. There's been a lot of press about the kids in, at spring break down in Florida that are just like, whatever, it doesn't matter. So I feel like you guys have been a great example, you know, showing, showing people how we can still have fun even when we have some different rules today. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Brooke, thanks for your example, and thanks for taking the time to chat with us about the quarantine cruise. Now, unfortunately, it's not all fun and games when we're in this environment of remote learning. I know that there's a lot of students that are missing the structure and the stability of the classroom, but for one McGrath student, it, it hits even a little harder. Last Saturday, there was a fire in Julia Shearer's home that, that ultimately destroyed their house. I've got Julia here to tell the story and to talk about how that's impacted her learning. So basically, it was like, well, it was a grease fire, right? Um, My grandpa was cooking upstairs, 
and basically I I'm not quite sure um if he left it unattended or if he was watching it but kind of just got out of control and kind of burst into flames and it just it was just raging so where were you when all of this happened so um my family was actually we were downstairs and then okay. it was just my grandparents were just like running running around upstairs and then we heard them like kind of being loud and it was just kind of weird so like I was like oh they're probably just like I don't know doing something upstairs <laughs> but like the thing is like I just I thought it was kind of abnormal because you know my grandparents don't really run <laughs> so, right. like, so but, did you um, did you smell smoke or did they they warn you that there was a fire like what what happened first to let you know that there might be a problem so basically it um I like smelt a little bit of smoke and then so I went to go talk, uh, like tell my parents, and then, and then I came back into the living room, and there was like smoke coming through the ceiling. So, so I feel like this is the situation that I feel like people kind of like, like, what would you do if there was a fire? What's the like? What did you do in that moment? What did you think? Did you try to grab anything? Did you try to put the fire out? Like, where where did your mind go in that moment? Um. Well, the first thing was, like, my dad ran upstairs, and then he went to go, like, try to put it out, and then I went upstairs as well, and it was just, like, crazy, so I came downstairs, told my parent, or told, like, my mom and my sister, were like, there's a house fire, we gotta get everything, and, like, get out, basically, and then the first thing my mom grabbed were our cats, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, and you gotta then, save the cats. Yeah, you gotta save the cats. And then my little sister grabbed our dog, and then basically we went outside. Was there was anything just... like while you were standing outside looking inside? Was there anything that you started to worry about, like, oh, I forgot this, or you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, I was thinking about like all the things that I like live with that I don't really think about, you know, that like kind of um, are useful in my life, and it's just like valuable. It's like it's always just there, you know. Yeah. Like I have some. Stuff I just keep on the shelves that are like right. valuable to me, right. but I like it's not that moment where I think like I need to go grab it. It's just like I started worrying after that, and I was like, oh my goodness, like I have like my like just like all my pictures and stuff like that, and it's just but there's just a lot of stuff that you can't grab at that moment, right? Is there anything yeah. that you lost in the in the fire that you feel like is irreplaceable? Um. Well, the stuff in my room was, it was basically my room flooded the most because um, after they soaked the whole house right. to like make sure that the fire was out, it was just, um, I was so scared that, um, well, my graduation dress was sitting, like I have it um, on the shelf and yeah. then um, it was near this, like my t the top of my ceiling, right? And I was yeah. so scared that. So I got my graduation dress in Japan okay. and I was like, I, it's kind of, I couldn't probably replace that. Right? right. And I was so scared because it was like, and it's just, it was sad. <laughs> I, I feel like anybody that's ever been through anything like this before their heart just goes out to you and even anybody that hasn't. I mean, I think the first thing that anybody asks in a situation like this is, is how can we help? Um, so one of the things that we've done for the Shearer family is we've set up a GoFundMe. Um, if there's anyone that's listening to this podcast that you can spare a few extra bucks, like they're not, they're not asking for, 
for anything really. Um, but it would just be such a, a great gesture as a community to come together and, and just show our support with, uh, with a few dollars. If you have something to spare, it's, it's hard economic times with the coronavirus and everything, but if you have, if you have a little bit extra, we would just so appreciate you sharing. Um, and I know that the shares would be so appreciative of, of anything that you can give. Um, so Julia, one, one last question that I have for you is as the student body president of McGrath high school, given the experience that you've had of school being canceled, um, or classes being canceled anyways, um, given the experience that you've had with that and your fire, um, what message do you think that you have that you could share with the student body? Um, if there was something that like a, you know, kind of a last word that you could share with them, what would you tell them, um, your advice of how to approach our current situation and, and how to have hope in hard times? Well, I mean, looking my, looking at my situation right now, it's just like, I mean, it's kind of hard to have hope, but I know that things will eventually get better. And it's just, um, I mean, as long as you have somewhere to be and like somewhere to sleep, like food and shelter and um, like the necessities. I feel like your life is pretty good. <laughs> and it's just like, I feel like don't take things for granted because they could be taken away from you. Well, Julia, our, our hearts definitely go out to you and to your family in this hard time. And I think I speak for anybody listening that if there's anything that I have to, to give, I'm, I'm happy to help. Anyone that's looking for a way that you can help, there's a GoFundMe that, that we've posted on the McGrath Facebook page and is on the McGrath Instagram, uh, McGrath High School. Um, so if you, if you feel like you could, you could spare a couple dollars, I know if everybody, if everybody was able to give, you know, $5, that goes a long way, especially when they have to come up with, with the money to pay for so many things before the insurance money comes in. So, um, if you're able to help, that would be fantastic. Now here's one way that we're trying to give back to you as our listeners. We've got Mr. Mike Wolf on the show here, and he's got a challenge problem. It's going to involve a little mathematical, logical reasoning. For the winners, we're willing to give you a little bit of a prize. All right, so this is quite a long um, question, so you'll need to maybe take a little bit of notes as I go through it. Uh, a private detective is working a case and has managed to verify the following 16 uh, pieces of information. Number one, there are five houses in the neighborhood. Two, in each house resides a person of a different nationality, an Australian, an Italian, a Ukraine, a Norwegian, and a Th Thailander, each of whom has one type of pet and consumes one type of candy and one type of drink. Wait, 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 wait. So they have a pet, and they all have like a certain type of candy that they eat. Yeah, this and like and a, and a type of drink as and well. And a type of drink. That's right. So wow. there's there's houses, nationalities, pets, candy, and drinks. So for all of you that are listening right now, it might be a good idea to pause the podcast, get out a piece of paper, take down some notes, just so you can keep everything straight. All right, number three, the Australian. He knows the Australian lives in the red house. 
Number four, the Italian owns a dog. So that, that part we know. Coffee is, uh, is going, to be, going to be drank or drunk, I don't know how you say that, in the greenhouse. <laughs> teacher, not an LA teacher, That's right. right. <laughs> so the coffee is, is drunk in the greenhouse. Number six, the Ukrainian drinks tea, of course. The greenhouse is immediately to the right of the ivory house. Now, ivory. I don't, is that, what color is that, art teacher? It's, it's going to be like an off-white. An off-white, okay. <laughs> So the greenhouse is immediately to the right of the ivory house. Number eight, the person who eats baby roofs, yum, owns snails as well. I feel like we can't get that confused because snails could also be something they eat, right? Like that would be gross. <laughs> that would be gross. But I believe in this case, snails are the pet. Okay, very good. M&Ms are eaten in the yellow house. Uh, milk is drunk in the middle house. The Norwegian lives in the very first house. The person who eats Reese's Pieces lives next door to the woman with the fox. She has a fox as she a pet. That's, that would be her pet. How about that? M&Ms are eaten in the house next to the house with a horse. The person who eats Tootsie Rolls also drinks orange juice. Does anyone eat Tootsie Rolls anymore? I feel like, like think Halloween. Isn't that like the last candy in the bucket? I know, I know for my kids, none of them want the Tootsie Rolls. Yeah. I think that might be like an older um, kind of <laughs> aged uh, uh, candy that lots of this people like. This is the candy we ate before they invented real candy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> number 15, the Thailander eats Snickers. And number 16, the Norwegian lives next door to the Blue House. Now, in order for the private detective to solve the case, he must uncover the answers to the following questions. Number one, who drinks water? And number two, who owns the zebra? Now, I feel like in this case, what we should do here is we should offer two separate prizes. So you can pick your, pick your question, pick your answer. The first correct answer for who drinks water and the first correct answer for who owns the zebra, how about we give a, a chocolate bar? Let's say a, a Twix because that's actually good candy. So, what do you think? Is that good, Mr. Wolf? That sounds great. Okay, so we're going to look forward to hearing from you guys. You can send your answers to mhsviralbuzz, all one word, at gmail.com. That's mhsviralbuzz at gmail.com. Send us your answers. The first two with the correct answer are going to get a chocolate bar. Okay, we are going to switch gears here a little bit. We've got Heather Burton here with us today. Uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, Heather Burton is a mother of 12. She is a self-published author, and she currently works for the Westwind Alternate School. The reason that we're bringing Heather on is that she really understands both sides of the education equation. She knows what it's like to be a parent in the home running a successful homeschool program, but then she also knows what it's like to be a teacher in a classroom and the things that students need in both areas. So I'm super excited for you to hear what Heather has to say. Now, Heather, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into teaching and homeschooling and just a little bit about your own personal background? Sure. 
Yeah. So I um, I started teaching in about 1989, and I taught for a couple of years in Ontario in public schools. And then I, um, my husband and I made the decision that um, we would do a full-time parent in the home. And we started on nine children at that time. So, um, And then along that journey, we also had this strong impression that whatever our children were going to need to do in their future adult lives required a different kind of education. So for 25 years, I was a homeschool mom and did some other things, community-based education, and I ran a, an organization for um, families who are also homeschooling. And then six years ago, I took up full-time teaching again. I work at Westwind Alternate School, and I also occasionally teach grade 10 um, English and grade 10, 11 creative writing. So that's the background. That's awesome. And now with the with this current situation, um, everything kind of is is up in the air again with uh, with not being able to have the kids in school with us. So one of the things that that I've seen and I'm sure that you've seen as you as you talk to friends and and other people there in your community, um, I hear a lot of parents that are feeling extremely overwhelmed. Um, there's a lot of jokes going around social media about. Uh, I've been a teacher for two days and I've already expelled three of my students and, you know, parents that are just really finding that, that man, this teaching gig is not as easy as I sort of thought it was. So with that in mind and with, uh, you know, all of your experience and, uh, and everything that, that you bring to the table in the different hats that you've worn, um, what advice do you have for parents as we're going through this new phase in our in our learning and in our education for these children yeah um first and foremost i classroom-centered education and home-centered education have some primary differences and some of that is so self-evident right like you just your environment is different who's involved is different um you know dynamics it's very difficult for a parent for example to wear an additional hat that children perceive that a teacher normally wears, and that's the role of educator, right? Teacher. I feel like that is one of the main struggles, is that the roles that have been so concrete are now very fluid. You go from being being teacher to being principal, to, you know, yeah, like exactly. you have to do it all. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Social convener, all of it, right? Like you're... Mm -hmm. And, and under the current circumstances, there are lots of things that kind of um, multiply the difficulty of, of fulfilling those roles anyway. If you have a child with anxiety, they could be, you know, not their usual self, and, and it could really be magnified some of the challenges that both parents and, and children are facing. So here, here's what I would say. First of all, I would expect that there needs to be some kind of accommodation for the change. So um, so the first thing I would say is, and this kind of comes from this, this radical homeschool philosophy, which is the setup of school, public school, private school, whatever it is, but formal schooling is it's a system that, and a system that exists for specific reasons, right? And, and one of those is managing groups of students uh, in an efficient and effective way. And that 
is not the case in your house. You, you have a group of students for sure, if you have more than one child, but you also have just a, a, a different set of dynamics. So you don't need to use some of the classroom organizational manners or tools or procedures that you would normally have. So in, in homeschool circles, when a child comes out <coughs> of their classroom and begins to educate at home, we often call it school detox. And it's not because school is so poisonous, it's because it's a, it's a habitual set of routines that don't necessarily serve home-based learning really well. And so I would expect for, I don't know, for a week that you start to just allow that natural mindset shift to happen and that you take it easy. And so just let that space happen where you get used to the fact that everybody's going to be together in the morning and there are routines that parents have to do and children have to do. Watch and observe how these things are going. I would definitely not say free for all because it's very hard to rein that back in, right? Like where right. you know, sleep as long as you want, stay up late as you want, do electronics as much as you want. No, no, no. But um, here's, here's how it worked best for our family. We allowed for flow. That's one thing, because at various times and with various ages of children, somebody was sick, somebody was a baby, somebody had needs that needed to be met at a certain given time. When we had teenagers and babies in our home, there were vastly different needs for those, you know, two sort of demographics within our home. And so what worked really well for us is to make sure that the learning day started the night before with a decent bedtime. And that's very difficult to do when you have, you know, teenagers or you're a night owl or as a parent or whatever. But if everybody gets to bed on time the next morning, I guarantee you will go much, much more smoothly. And then, you know, it's up, do the family routines, be cool. I 100% suggest no electronic devices at all until you've established the tone for the day, the intention and tone for the day. So if your kids wake up and the first thing they want to do is hop online so that they can see what their teacher sent them or so that they can, you know, play their favorite educational quote unquote game <laughs> or whatever it is, I would just say, I would say, don't, don't get together, feed yourselves, clean up, nourish, you know, all of the things that you need to do as a family. And then in our family at about nine o'clock, we congregated in the living room and we, um, we had a kind of a you know, one for all, all for one meeting. And in our case, because of our religious background and things, we would sing an uplifting song. We had a prayer. I know this sounds like way too formal, but I'll tell you what it did. It ordered our brains, right? It ordered our brains and signaled the beginning of something intentional. And so, and then we'd have some, you know, conversation about an inspiring piece of literature. I really love poetry. So sometimes I'd read poetry. I know I'm sounding so much like a homeschooler here, but well, no, but you know, I feel like, like all of the things that you're saying there, I feel like are things that you, that, that we see like as classroom teachers, those are things that we do. Maybe not like, like sing a song and, and say a prayer, yeah. but in the classroom, like those first few minutes of class are super important. Like any classroom teacher yeah. will tell you that if, yeah. if kids come in, and it's just a free for all, then you never get that class back. That's right. And so it's, it's all about setting yourself up for success. And so I feel like that is a really transferable skill I think that probably a lot of parents might not understand or might not know just yeah. because they haven't been in that environment before. So I yeah. think that's great, great advice. 
Yeah. And also, I think it's, I, you know, I think it's analogous to setting the learning target, right? Like you really, you're really trying to help make sure that everybody, there's no mystery. This is, this is what we're doing together today. And it is exciting. Like we've got this opportunity to do this very um, important and very proactive kind of um, activity today. And we've got this precious time and the time will go by so fast. You will not believe. I know that if you're in quarantine, it probably feels like you hear the <laughs> clock tick all the time, right? But but I but it doesn't have to be that way. When 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 people are engaged, and I'll say something about all the people in the family are engaged. When people are engaged, you enter flow, right? And and it um, and the time will go by fast and it's treasured. It is absolutely treasured. Thank you so much, Heather. We have really, really appreciated the opportunity to get inside your head and to gain access to some of your best tips and tricks. Um, for those of you listening, there's a full version of the 40-minute interview that I had with Heather Burton that we will be releasing as a standalone podcast. There is so much information there for you. Um, I would not be surprised to see a book coming out soon. Um, we definitely know that she is capable of it. The question is, does she have the time? All right. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in to the Viral Buzz. Be sure to send us an email and tell us what you thought about the show. Feel free to tell us what we got right, what we got wrong, and what maybe you think we could do better. If there's any topics or things that you'd like to have covered on the show or questions that you'd like us to dive into, feel free to send that in an email to mhsviralbuzz at gmail.com. While you're at it, don't be afraid to subscribe to the show and hit that furthest right star and give us a review. That's it for now. Thanks for tuning in. You guys have a great week and we'll see you next Friday on The Viral Buzz.